0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Ethics in football, we dug ourselves a hole. Is it right or wrong to smash a player's skull? Ain't no easy answer. Now it's time to play that banjo. Football's our favorite, but won't you please take note? We see it's got some problems, we're all in the same boat.
2: Reckoning with football's past, I reckon you better paddle fast.
3: Welcome to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, coming to you live, as always, from Spotify Green Room, and presented by Sports Drink. If you guys aren't aware, please go follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, both at Sports Drink with all the vowels taken out. So really, Spritz Drink, if you were to put a pronunciation on there. Uh, As always, I will be joined by my compatriots, Andrew Stevens, or Karen and Brian Scott Rippey. Um, They are, as usual, uh, just a little bit behind me. I normally like to get in here by myself, as you guys are aware, Um, open the room up, and see what's going on. But uh, Andrew just joined. What's going on, man?
2: Nothing much. I'm running some late-night errands. I I had a meeting run long, so if you hear my car screaming is what i'm doing how are you my friends oh it it looks like we got to do interface on the spotify green room app look at that
3: i don't know what that means sir but i'm looking forward to it (laughs) oh man what's up ross how's it going fam
4: you know things going pretty well how about you kp
3: i can't complain uh, actually, I can for a reasons. Uh, just check my Twitter account for those of you um, <laughs> questioning that. Uh, but, yeah, it's a Wednesday night. It's hump day. We're, we're making it step by step.
4: Yeah, yeah it feels weird uh, doing a Wednesday night Wednesday night banjo.
3: Yeah, we're really um, switching it up for our listeners here. We've got to keep them guessing. and I can't let them get too comfortable. Which is what you always want to say about your podcast,
2: listeners. This is a a question that we can certainly have off of air, but um, why not uh, poop on company time here and discuss a little business? If we moved the show back to Wednesdays later in the year, we could do a casual live streaming of Maction as we record the podcast, which could be kind of fun.
3: Well, there was some fun belt last night, though. So, you know, that I, you know, that goes hand in hand. Is there Maction on tonight? I haven't looked at the ESPN schedule that closely since I made my picks.
2: I don't think it starts until daylight savings time and everyone starts getting old.
3: That makes sense. I uh I'm Googling Maxion schedule right now. Um and looks like the first uh first real maxtion game is going to be Tuesday, November second. So just everyone be on the lookout for that one. Uh,
1: Bowling oh, so Green
3: at but, but it's Bowling Green at no, sorry, I'm misreading that. Uh, but yeah, Tuesday, November second, Miami of Ohio at Ohio. Pretty big rivalry game actually, so that'll be nice. Uh, Ball State Akron and Eastern Michigan Toledo. So three Tuesday games. Um, and then two more games uh, that next month. Yeah, they don't really play picked... on Saturday the rest of the year. They don't <laughs> they have like three total. We really picked this week on the one Saturday weekday
4: with no say so we picked the one weekday this week with no games. We have games last night, we got games tomorrow and Friday. No Wednesday night games this week.
2: Jeez. Now, if you went to a Mac school, would, would you want national TV games for them all never being on un- a
3: Well, the thing is, I'm a college student, so staying out until you know, 12.30 on a weeknight, th- that didn't phase me that much when I was in college. I could just do that a couple times a week and be fine. Um, and then you've got Saturday to do whatever the hell you want. Um, so watch, you know, the team that you're actually a fan of. I know a lot of, you know, students at schools like that. They, they're fans of, you know, wherever they go to school. So Central Michigan, Northern Illinois, Akron. But then it's like, okay, but like my entire family is Ohio State fans. So like I can actually focus my Saturday on that.
2: The old Georgia Southern UGA cannot.
3: Buddy, I think you're thinking of Kennesaw State, but yes, point stands. <laughs>
2: No, no, because we when we were losing to them in the fourth quarter of 2015, there were a lot of confused Georgia Southern.
3: <laughs> yeah, imagine losing to them in the fourth quarter of 2015. But that definitely didn't get a coach fired or whatever. Uh, folks, it was a hell of a week last week, one of the better college football weeks we've seen in a minute. Um, it is Wednesday, so I'm not sure how much you guys want to review, but we can just run through these pretty quick. Um
2: Obviously that's the headline here. Oh, you, you, were, yeah, KP, you're not getting off the hook that easy. You
3: know, oh no, no. Well, I mean, we've we've got a lot. You guys read the roll. I I know Ross read the rundown. I have, have no uh, confidence that Andrew did. Um,
2: i looked uh, at it, and I know that Rippy hasn't. So I feel like that's pretty good. If Ross reads, if you make it, and Ross reads it, and I look at it, and it's like a game of telephone.
3: Sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, but leading off, obviously, uh, Bama versus a one of the better college football games um, that we'll probably end up seeing this year. Um, fairly back and forth. a uh, and took control early. Bama made a furious run at it. Um, then, you know, a made a ton of clutch plays down the stretch. Um, I'm not sure how much of the game either of you watched. Uh, I kind of want to put it up to both of you. Is this going to be um, – capital letters a thing for AM the rest of the year, or did Zach Calzada just kind of black out for a game? I mean, I just I can't tell.
4: I have I'm honestly really not sure. Like I I had no confidence going into this game that he knew what he was doing. So it makes me think that he just blacked out. But you know it's I also hated the whole thing. So, you know, hard to say. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Because it wasn't like he was leading up towards this. Like like there was gradual improvement. He was just bad like this year until this game. So I don't know if Jimbo was sandbagging it like that one message board poster said um, or, or what the deal was, but he, he did not look good at all um, the entire season. And, and then this game happened. So I, I got nothing. I I, I, I don't know. I
2: just just don't know. I watched, uh, I watched very little of this game. um, And so I'm not really sure. I was uh, certainly shocked um, as I was checking the score. Um, But as Andy Pope in the chat and I, we were in Denver, Colorado, um, celebrating a friend's soon to be nuptials. But I, 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 I mean, Calzada is certainly not going to be someone that I think replicates this performance. I mean, I still think this is like a eight and four A and M team that really, really blacked out and got extremely lucky. And, I mean, what I, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of what other like comparable performances this will be akin to, assuming that he completely comes back down to earth and A and M finishes in like the Music City Bowl. Like, are, are there any other historical comparisons to, like, I mean, what what was it, a a 20-point upset, especially against the number one?
3: Yeah, I, the, the spread was, I think, 17 and a half. And there are a ton of A&M fans that we tailgated with that were just like, yeah, we're just kind of happy to be here on game day. And not, like, saying it tongue-in-cheek, not being facetious. Like, no, they actually uh, legitimately – we're just happy to have another game day. I don't think anyone fully expected to win that game until um, the fumble near the end of the first quarter uh, that Alabama had. Because obviously Jimbo was going to script up a great first drive, go down and score. But, you know, once it got to 17-7, it's like, oh, holy crap, what the hell is going on here? Um, so that's just kind of where we are now. Um, I'm looking up a schedule now. Uh, what they've got left. I know they've got Ellis with at the end of the year, but I mean, coming up here, they're at Missouri this week. Then they got South Carolina at home. They've got a bye before Auburn comes in. Um, so they can run off three more wins in a row, which, you know, I, I don't know about the same team, but those are two not good teams and an Auburn team that is, is still starting Bo Nix probably at that point. So yeah, you know, maybe they can get to um, seven and two. Before you know, Ole Miss, Preview, and then LSU.
2: So, who knows? Onyx is going to live.
3: He's only a junior, also. So, you know, he's got, he's got another year. It It is weird that, like, you know, when you look at
4: their schedule, Ole Miss is the only one on there that you're like pretty certain they'll lose to. Um, But this is also a team that, to be fair, like right before they beat Alabama, they lost to Mississippi State, who is bad. So, like, Ole Miss is the only game that I'm confident they're going to lose. Like, Auburn and LSU, I have no idea what's happening. Like, LSU's bad, but, like, that's, you know, that's your end of year game. Like, shit always gets weird at that game. I have no idea. I can't tell with the
3: Aggies. I'm I'm sorry, Aggies. Yeah. um, Great win, obviously, by the Aggies. Um, you know, you, you paid, I don't know how many millions of dollars per win Jimbo's at right now, but you knocked that number down a little bit, so um, yeah, exciting times in Aggieland. I will say this about College Station. Um, for a place that, that really kind of only has one way in and one way out, after the game, post-game traffic was not that bad. Um, I guess maybe a lot of Alabama fans spent the night, but after the game, we just kind of pulled out of the parking lot and got right on the road, and we were home fairly quickly. So... Kudos to AM Game Bay Logistics for helping out there.
2: I really I really do love that like we can talk about the ethics of college football. We can talk about like I mean, I guess limited X's and O's. We can talk about storylines and culture, but very, very fundamentally at at this at the core of this podcast, we are a talking about traffic flow and talking about interstates podcast.
3: Hell yeah, baby. You know, this it's a quick I, first of all, Austin to College Station is not that bad at driving at all. It's just Highway 71 to Highway 21. You get there in an hour 45. Um, pretty smooth go. sailing the whole way. It's, it's amazing. Um, the other big game that just kind of sent shockwaves around college football, uh, Red River. Um, I didn't watch really any of this game. The tailgate I was at didn't, couldn't get ABC for some reason, but could get ESPN2. Don't ask me how. Um,
0: they, were, they were lying what, what to you, Kevin.
3: A, what a damn game. Um, Oklahoma with a furious comeback, obviously, after benching Spencer Adler, uh, scoring on what basically amounted to a walk-off, a 30-yard touchdown run. I don't know what Texas was thinking there. Maybe they. some people thought we should let them score. Don't know. Uh, but it was one of the better Texas OU games that we've seen in recent memory. Folks,
2: did you Texas, say we
1: should
2: I, I'm not sure about Texas? Yikes! Oh, hey, oh. Oh KP's ca- KP's speaking,
3: from the, speaking from the perspective of it. okay, first yeah, yeah, you guys eat shit. Okay, I, I, I'm gonna. <laughs>
2: we got to get him out of Austin. He's been there yeah. too long. <laughs> KP's canceled. Um, KP, I thought, how much burnt sure. orange is there in your closet? Well, now, here is the benefit of recording this show on Wednesday instead just, of... Instead just the of,
3: one home field shirt, Ross, by the way. <laughs> the,
2: the benefit of recording on a Wednesday as opposed to a Tuesday, though, is in discussing uh, the recap of last week's games, we get to throw in the nugget of our very, very good friend, the OU student reporter. Who, um, if you did not hear, was in a OU building with binoculars with a view of the football facility and was able to see Spencer Rattler not taking reps with the ones. And so Lincoln Riley has canceled media day, and now we have uh, this lovely hullabaloo um, amidst Norman. So uh, Red River fun, the fallout from Red River, maybe even more fun.
3: Yeah, what's funny is that it was from a public building, so there's nothing you can do to, like, keep people out of it, and that's just, like, where Oklahoma practices, so, and at this point in the season, you don't really want to change where you practice, so it's like, what does is, what is Lincoln Riley do, is he just going to keep canceling media for the rest of the season? Which That would be hilarious, but, was it- like, just kind of dumb, because you started the obvious starter, or he, he, at least he's taking first-team reps in practice. I don't know. Was it Oklahoma or was it somebody else
4: that – I saw this going on Twitter today after this came up that recently – like within the last couple of years, it may have been much more recently than that, someone like realized that there was a a dorm maybe that like overlooked their practice practice field. So without telling anybody, they just put up like that – sort of like fog screen stuff so that people couldn't look out their dorm windows at the practice field and like report on what's happening during closed practices.
2: So so when, when I was at Georgia, um, I mean, that doesn't shock me at all. Just based on the the logistics of college campuses and like dorms are being built, uh, like, these things are not as intricately planned, I don't think, as, as they would like us to believe in terms of where building construction occurs over the course of like 300 years of some of these colleges. Um, but I, I think that um, that's probably I mean, it doesn't shock me that the football programs at any of these like universities have the influence to do it. at Georgia. When I was there um, and working for Dog Post, I actually texted Dean about this today there was a building in the the student learning center or a room, like a study room where it was like an entire floor, basically, where you could go sit in a room and study with whiteboards and and yada, yada, yada. And the top right one, you could see probably the last like 30 yards of the far side of the field of Sanford, but only in the winter time because there was a tree that was blocking it during the other time. And so I texted Dean today and he was like, shit, I got to figure out a way to get back up there now. Um, And so if, if Georgia, had any inkling, I think, about that or if it ended up actually mattering, they would very easily send someone up into that room or block those windows out, I think.
3: Yeah, I do know that the condos that overlook the Alabama practice field, like you have to sign, like in addition to all the other condo and apartment, you know, Mamba jumbo, you have to sign multiple um, NDAs saying that like you will not like tweet about, you know, what you see on the practice field. If you videotape it, we can trace the angle you took it from. And trace it back to you. Um, it's obviously, you know, open air is open air until everyone gets a dome, until everyone gets an indoor practice facility, and only practices oh. there. This is just kind of what. Oh we're wait, K-
2: like. KP, can can I tell the? Do, do you remember the the Zach Oliver story from Catholic with uh, the with the with the practice field and his dad? No,
3: I actually do not remember
2: that. I didn't, I didn't know. Okay, was, so I didn't know it was a okay. thing. Okay, so there, this is just like a, a, a dumb high school football thing, but uh, I's high school, very now big like football powerhouse, worse when we were there, um, but the a quarterback a year older than us who ended up going and playing at Northwestern, he had like a super big helicopter dad, like very, very whatnot, and so he used to... Go and like get off of work early or whatever his work schedule was, and basically watch all of football practice from like three thirty to five or six o'clock during football season. And he would stand outside of the chain link fence of the of the football practice field at the high school, and then. Um, I think he started like making commentaries to the coaches about things or the way that his son was being used. Yeah, just typical like parenting, like like crazy sports parent stuff. And so what they ended up doing was putting one of those like big green mesh screens around the chain link. And so you couldn't end up seeing it. And the, the, the fence is seven or eight feet tall. And so you, you he doesn't have any view in. And so he drove a. Uh, a Tahoe at the time, and then he went and traded the Tahoe in for a pickup truck, so he could pull the pickup truck up next to the chain link fence with the mesh screen around it, and stand in the bed of it, and then still see practice. So, um, just very, <laughs> very uh, the football in the South at every level Holy is insane. In summation. Sorry, that was the little aside.
3: Yeah, just uh, okay. Did not know that any of that whatsoever. So thanks for I can't um, believe
4: you guys went to high school with Buddy Garrity's son.
3: Oh, God. Yeah, that's a show I'm probably still not going to watch. Um, moving so <laughs> moving on that, here, um, Arkansas-Ole Miss. Uh, this game is just straight chaos every single year. Uh, I am not sure how much any of you watched, uh, but our Ole Miss comrade Brian Rippy is here. Um, Rip, I, I need your thoughts on the game as a whole because I, I literally have no idea what to make of it.
5: It was a hell of a football game. I'm not sure how – well, I, I don't know if it was well-played or not, honestly. Like, I'm not necessarily saying it wasn't. <laughs> but it's it's one defense that doesn't, doesn't have anything. a lot of depth. Yeah, it was entertaining. Like, it was it was certainly a well-played offensive game. Like, both offenses operated at pretty solid capacity. I thought K.J. Jefferson, while wasn't great throwing the ball, was as good as he's been – in his career, and then, of course, was a tank running the ball. And Ole Miss, I mean, Matt Corral was about as flawless as you could possibly play a football game, and they needed every bit of it. It's just one defense that didn't have a lot of depth and another defense in Arkansas that just didn't really have a ton of answers for Ole Miss, um, I guess, on a consistent basis. It was a very bizarre game. I thought it would be weird. I thought it would be close, but I didn't necessarily see it playing out like that. And Ole Miss just kind of, I guess, made one last play at the end. Why they did not run on the two-point conversion – with the 6'5", 250-pound quarterback that had been getting whatever he wanted is, is was sort of baffling to me. But uh, I didn't really hate the decision to go for two. Um, that being said, I actually thought Arkansas would have won the game fairly easily in overtime. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty weird game. Ole Miss defense was like, you know, for as much like shit as they catch, Arkansas had 14 points with seven minutes and 27 seconds to go in the third quarter. And like if you had offered that Lane Kiffin that before the year started – against every sec opponent he would take that every single time problem is they didn't have any depth they ended up being on the field 95 plays which is just kind of a staggering number and allowed 37 points in the last 22 minutes
3: it was that is it unreal. was six
5: games in one
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do remember yeah i will Ole say miss- i was
5: i was double
4: screening arkansas Ole miss and red river and that was a uh, quite an experience
5: I would remember. So Arkansas got the back ball back with a minute seven left. I was in the stadium. That was the first time I sat like in the stadium, just like hanging out for a game in quite a while. But I think like 2015, but Arkansas had the ball with 75 yards to go with a minute seven left. And I was like, they're not moving it all the way down the field. That's not really how their offense is. Design And then as soon as they broke the huddle, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. What am I talking about? This is definitely going to happen. And it had nothing to do with, like, schematics or anything. I was like, this is absolutely going to happen. And then the fucking clock operator. Uh, does that Would that ever happen in Tuscaloosa or Baton Rouge? Did y'all see this? Arkansas ran a play with six seconds left, and they ran the play as if it was, like, the last shot. Like, it wasn't a, hey, let's throw this up to the end zone and try to get two off here. It was like, all right, this is our last shot. The ball goes out of the back of the end zone and you look up on the clock and there's one second left. What home cooking clock <laughs> operator in the country lets a slow developing pass play where Jefferson stands in the pocket on a day where he had so much time to throw, he was literally putting the football on his hip at times just to stand there. And somehow that <laughs> took five seconds. And the Arkansas scored with one on well, their final play with one second left. They didn't even I was looking on the sideline when I was watching the game again on Sunday. They didn't even really have another play prepared. Like Browse had to go back to his sheet because he was like, "Oh shit, we get another play. How do, how does that work?" And then they scored. <laughs> it was it just bizarre.
4: I remember watching that and thinking it was a little strange.
5: We I mean, just let it, it run was, out. It was, Worst well, case scenario, was... cha- they challenge it and maybe they give it back to him. But what home operators like? ah, just give him the second. Who, who does that?
4: Yeah, as they were doing the like the countdown. On TV to show, you know, like a little clock in the corner and the play as it's going to see where it ends exactly, which I'm sure is hardly exact given that it's just like the TV angle. Um, yeah, it definitely looked like that clock kind of ticked out to the end.
5: Yeah, I just, I, I, that was mind blowing to me. And then you knew what was going to happen like once that happened. They were 100% scoring. I was just shocked they didn't score on the two point conversion. Uh, again, no idea why you wouldn't run the ball, but whatever. Yeah, they. Almost yeah, I think really there
3: had was a whole. It. It's, thing you... thing. it's like when you have a QB that looks like Cam Newton. I don't I, Looks like Cam Newton. That's all I'm saying. It's just like I don't know. Maybe just try some sort of QB power. I'm not a coach for many reasons, but I don't. They'll take away half the field pass play. I haven't seen that work yet, so. <laughs> well,
5: they. I don't the think it's crazy that crazy to say that he runs like Cam Newton yeah, he... earlier. Yes, you're exactly right, Ross. They'd already run that play. That was another wild part about it. So that there was like a short touchdown in the third quarter and it was a great design, right? It was like the rollout and the tight end kind of stops once he finds a little like crease and the defense overruns it or whatever. It was the Mm -hmm. exact same concept, which is even more shocking. Like it was a great, like fool. You once draw up, but. Ole Miss was clearly ready for it. They hadn't gotten that kind of pressure on the quarterback all game. I, that was another stunning part of it. Not only did they not run it, they ran the same play. They scored a touchdown on a quarter and a half prior. It was just wild to me.
4: That had to be like a, we don't actually believe you're good at defense, so it worked once, we're going to try it again. Like that, that had to be the thought process there was saying that we, we honestly believe that you're not good enough to stop this, that you won't
3: remember
5: yeah, I think so. Like, that or that first touchdown was their top two-point play. They just used it then, and they were really did not feel good about whatever they had on the sheet for their second one. But, uh, again, going back to KP saying he just looks like Cam Newton. I mean, look, again, I know he's not Cam Newton. Like, that's not really what I'm saying. But he really does run like him in terms of – remember Cam Newton when he would come th- – like, when he was coming through college where you'd tackle him – like. Probably what two yards, three yards down, like by the line of scrimmage. You'd be like, all right, that was pretty good. Like they probably played the football well, and then he would just fall forward for four. Jefferson does that a lot. He runs like Cam Newton, but he's not Cam Newton. It's weird, weird to say, but I don't think that's that far off.
3: Yeah, no, just he does find a way to just pick up though. He he turns no gainers into three or four yard gains a lot, which over the course of a game can really help you out. But yeah, just kind of a great offensive game plan by Arkansas through and through until the literal last play. Um, Next game, and we can talk about this one super quick, Penn State-Iowa. I actually got a chance to watch a little bit of this one. Uh, Penn State was kind of kicking Iowa's ass and their quarterback went down and they turned into a corn top. I'm not sure there's any other way to describe what happened in this game. I
4: mean, I think it's, it makes a lot of Iowa fans mad because Iowa played a very good game. But yeah, it's it's clear that and, and they'll they'll say, you know, Sean Clifford also threw two interceptions and the fact that uh, I think on Roberson threw two interceptions afterwards, like he would have done the same thing. But it's just it wasn't at all the same game once Sean Clifford went down.
3: Right. And when a team has athletic, and I watched the same, whole thing, yeah, unfortunately.
4: Up- I subjected myself to that.
3: Jesus Christ, Ross. Um when a team with the athlete level of Penn State can get up 14-3 on a team like Iowa, it's just like, wow, something catastrophic has to happen for Penn State to lose this game now. And it did. So, you know, like you said, kiddos, Iowa. They played the game and they won the game, but it just was not the state. Who's going to beat Iowa until Indianapolis? Who? Like,
5: <laughs> No one. They're getting one of those seeds. Is the Big Ten I mean, a better shot to get two in at this point than the SEC? Is how hot of a take is that?
3: I was not getting. In I don't think it that hot the of a take. Championship. Yeah, but I, I don't see. Uh, I guess Ohio State's already lost.
4: I could. I could see a if one of the Michigan schools runs the table, starts to look real good, and then. loses to Iowa, if we have two undefeated teams in the Big Ten championship, I think it's possible that both get in if it's a close game.
3: I I don't see Iowa getting in with a loss at this point because any any loss before Indianapolis would be devastating. (coughs) And um, a loss in Indianapolis, I think, would still knock them down. But the Michigan schools piece is interesting. I do think it's going to have to be a situation where one of the schools just ends up 11-1 and and doesn't make it to Indy. And they just kind of back their way in because of chaos. Like, I don't know, Bama limps into the SEC championship game with two losses, and but they beat Georgia by 18. Um, you know, I Ohio State wins the East with two losses, and then they beat an undefeated in Iowa. Um, and none of those. I, I, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Why much? It's October. Yeah, I don't know enough game.
4: about the Why Big Ten scheduling, but Jesus,
5: <laughs> I didn't watch much okay. of this game, okay. but I did hear I- that that the kid that came in on a relief of Clifford was terrible, just horrendous. He
4: just wasn't ready. It was. It was just clear that they had not. I, I don't know if he had never taken a snap with the first team or what, but he like. I mean, I think he was a freshman or sophomore, he was probably eighteen, nineteen years old. So, like, I don't want to blame him, but you know, he just wasn't Like, the the team did not prepare him to go into that game. It, it was all being, it was all counting on Sean Clifford, and when Sean
3: Clifford got hurt, everything fell apart. Yeah, just buddy, I I, I don't. Again, I always played great football this season. Sort of, uh, they've had a great year, but I just don't want to talk about them anymore than. I have already. So let's let's move on quickly. Uh, I, I do want to talk about hot seats now, um, folks. It, it's Wednesday night as we record this. Can anyone explain to me how Ed Orgeron sold out the job at this point?
4: Does his buyout go down in December or something?
3: It has that's, that's to. The only thing right? I, can think I think of. it's like it's like twenty one right, twenty one million right now. Um, I. I don't know. They That extension that they gave him after the national championship game, I mean, sure, it's deserved. You have maybe the best team ever. Um, but, man, it's been – I mean, he was 15-0 that season. They are 8-8 eight and eight since then. Um, and it does not appear to be – like, looking at the rest of their schedule, the amount of injuries they have, like, I think they it, – it will be a miracle if they make a bowl game this year. I'm not exaggerating. They're three. They had to win three games, and if you look at that schedule, it's rough. They still got Arkansas. They still got Ole Miss. They still got AM, and They still got Alabama. Uh, they've got Florida this week. Uh, six wins will be near impossible.
4: Yeah, I, I was I looking at this see, I Just don't see, I see it. Yeah, I mean, you can argue with Texas A&M I, only getting ranked because they beat Alabama, but like LSU, I don't see them beating a ranked team. Like this is not a team that's built for that and uh, the currently only unranked team left on their schedule is UL Monroe. They have six games left, and I think it's
5: not out of the question for them to go one and five. Okay, and on top of that, uh, to answer the Ed question, I'd give it three options. One's kind of what Ross said to where there's some sort of plan in place to skirt around some sort of money, monetary value, but – that's in place. There's got to be some sort of plan in place to fire him with cause, or they're waiting on something. Do you think there's some sort of date with like whatever his suit is? And you know, I don't want to misterm I mean, it because I haven't looked at that in a while. Is it sexual assault or whatever? What I can't remember what it is. Is there something con- with that con- conduct
3: unbecoming or some BS like that? I don't know. Like potentially, maybe it goes, it drops in half or by a few million on December first. Um, No idea, but I I think they're waiting for something that caused, but if not caused, then it's like, all right, cool. They're just waiting on a certain day on the calendar.
5: Yeah, I think it's. I agree. It's either that or they just see no value in firing in midseason. But that's a weird part to me because I actually kind of get that strategy sometimes from ADs because it's like, yeah, like whatever. But at this point, they keep losing bodies and they are like lose two more. Like if they lose, what's his name, Max Johnson isn't there a bizarre argument to be made where it's like, Hey, what do you want the guy to do? He's lost every player. Like to me, I'd go ahead and do it now for someone else gets hurt. If that makes any sense at all.
3: that would be a fair argument. If you know, they didn't just get run over in week one. Um, and they, they have not looked good all season. Like would, even when they were healthy, they just, the product was not, it, it, it didn't look like LSU should have looked this year. Um, but that's
5: the other thing though, about the just, Kentucky part. I talked about them potentially going one and five. It looked like they quit. Like I get they'll probably beat ULM, but like who else are they beating? It looked like they were one soft two not trying. And I I hate like using that term, but that very much looked like that on Saturday.
3: Right. And my thing is and I far be it for me to carry water for LSU, but at this point, you're pretty confident you are going to fire him. You've got about two months left to really less than that, to salvage a recruiting class. Um, if you know you're going to fire him, you've got to do it now. If you want any help of that to be, especially with the early signing period, uh, it's going to be – you're, you're already behind the eight ball now, but you're going to get skunked if you don't uh, if you don't make a move soon. Again, they're bad. Let them lay in it. But it's I, – I don't really understand a lot of the logic here for them.
4: I mean, is it possible that they are, you know, of the mind that we're LSU, so whenever we decide to enter the coaching market, we will get whomever we want, and we can get whatever recruits we want because we're LSU. We're the only Power 5 team in a state full of talent.
3: That is of the mind of – Last time that happened, they ended up with Ed Orgeron. Yeah, that's of the mind of – They they hired Ed Orgeron
4: because he was a – hang on. Ed took over as the interim and they thought he did a real good job. So they kept him around.
3: Well, no, they couldn't get no Tom Her, Tom, <laughs> like Tom Herman said no. Like that's the <laughs> Tom Herman and Jimbo said, no, that's how they ended up with Ed Orgeron. If Tom Herman wanted to be in Baton Rouge, he would have been the LSU coach. Um, same for Jimbo Fisher back in 20, I guess after the
5: 2016 season. Um. Because remember that's you ever remember Tom that Herman bizarre press, press conference Texas? with Oliva where he was fired and unfired. Remember this?
3: Yeah, I mean they were he going beat to a- fire he beats a that night or whatever. Yeah, they were going to fire him, and then he, they beat a in the ugliest game imaginable, and they keep him on, and then they fire him four games into the next season. It was it was wild, but they ended up with Orgeron because they didn't want to be publicly embarrassed again because Herman had kind of played them. And Jimbo was just like, why would I leave Florida State for this? No. Um, Scott Woodward is. I I, I I think it's also. I mean,
4: I think they should. I can see an argument, and this is not a good one, but that if you hire an interim, they believe they have so much talent right now that Ed Orgeron's just misusing or the team has quit. That, you know, you hire an interim and the team all of a sudden starts playing better for the interim because it's somebody else and they don't want they're not giving up anymore. And then all of a sudden they're in a position where there are people clamoring for now I don't know how many of them or who who does this, but there are people who are like, hey, you know, this interim was really good and we clearly like them already and the teams bought in, and then they're stuck with a guy who, you know, maybe it is maybe they do get lucky, but like that was sort of how I mean obviously, you know, Tom Herman and Jimbo said no to LSE last time, but like Ed Orgeron was not under consideration until he did it until he like went what four and two as the interim head coach after they
3: fired Les Miles. Something like that. But
5: if you were- do the interim route, you like roll you roll Insminger out there, or someone who's just a non factor, even if he, you know, brought back like, I don't know, like Christ on the field or something. Or you bring back Insminger, you- and if he wins a game, you fire him and you're like, hey. This GA looks like he's like you know he's got a he's got a game day and a hat like we gave him equipment. Here's the head coach. Like you make sure it's it's a non-factor.
4: Rippy, when Matt Luke was named the interim head coach, did you think he had a chance at the real job?
5: <laughs> How long do you have? Uh, no, <laughs> but going into that after said that you know they blew that twenty four to six lead to Arkansas. They blew a second-half lead to A&M. And if he wins two of those games, I would have gone to the Egg Bowl and thought, oh, okay, actually, this guy might actually have a crack at this thing. But in the back of my mind, I was like, this Egg Bowl, state team's pretty good. It's in Starkville. It does weird, weird stuff. And Ole Miss winning that game the way they did, I was like, eh, they owe him a huge thank you. They'll pay him a decent sum of money, and they're on their way. And then people who kind of know things start telling you that Ross Bjork got pulled off a plane headed toward – uh Raleigh North Carolina with the contract for Dave Doran because the slapdick chancellor pretty much just shut the thing down so by like Sunday morning I was like yeah this guy's got a shot this could get weird but it had very little to do with what he did on the field I would say
4: and you believe that LSU has fewer slapdicks than Ole Miss I, I don't
5: I think I I find like Scott that. Woodward to be more competent than uh than Ross Bjork and I don't know who LSU's chancellor is, but as long as he has, you know, full range of motion in his appendages and you know, fully functioning head, uh, he is definitely more competent than Gumball's Vitter. <laughs> That's so yes, I, can't, I, can't I say yes, but it's a low bar. You're talking about the lowest, lowest of bars. No offense to Ross. All right,
3: um, that was good. <laughs> Great discussion there. There's a lot of other hot seats here. Um, I, do, I do want to touch on Miami. We talked a lot this offseason about, you know, how can the U get back? And a big way for the U to get back is, A, not to be a super small private school with an alumni base that doesn't like to donate. Um, but
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match.
1: The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
2: The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
3: What's Manny Diaz doing, man? It's year three, and they – even before De'Aaron King went down, they just have not looked good at they, – they don't look like a Miami team should in a year three with a guy who's very familiar um, with that program.
4: I have no idea. I don't, like – I mean – I guess it's still year 3 so they feel bad getting rid of them immediately but come on
5: I just don't I'll offer see. a wild the... thought and this is a uh...
3: Oh go ahead KP No I I just don't really see a path forward for like people look I think the laziest take when we people when people discuss this is oh they just got to recruit south florida it's like yeah no shit dumbass like the entire country is doing that you can't just hide, um, like, a gym and a, like a diamond in the rough at a small high school in Miami. Like, that kid has a huddle profile. And Nick Saban's already got three analysts that have watched it five times. Like, he, that, that's just not viable anymore. But, again, it's a really small school. The stadium's 45 minutes off campus. There's a heavy international population, which is really cool. But it's like those people don't donate to football when they graduate. And, like, what's Nevin Shapiro they went to federal prison. It's like, what? Where, where, where's the money coming from? Like, like they had so Manny Diaz because he was already there. D many Di- they got Manny Diaz just because he was packing. Uh, up. Manny Dixie. Diaz was at Temple. He was, yeah, he was at. Well, he, I don't know if, if he was at Temple yet. He was packing up his office in Miami, and they were like, "Well, well hey, man, you what? Are you sure you want to leave? Like that? Like, like, can Miami afford a nationwide coaching search?" And like can they pay top dollar for a guy who can really get them back to that level? I think the answer is no to that.
5: I mean, but they still have that. I, I would so I this is me halfway throwing on a uh, a big J hat because as we discussed in the group me earlier, I went to Northwestern for grad school not to brag. Uh, accreditation aside. <laughs> as a <gonna> medical um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell you that if that and if and when that thing opens up, I would wager to say that Lane Kiffen would borderline be more of a threat to take that gig than LSU. It is. I didn't necessarily buy into it, but I'll tell you that people who I know things, um, particularly as it pertains to the current state of the Ole Miss program and Kiffin himself, um, have consistently said keep your eye on that job and is very much more a lifestyle branding easier to win pitch than it is leaving the ACC to go to a private school in South Florida. Again, I didn't necessarily buy into it on my own. I was like, this did not pass the smell test. But, man, if enough people tells you it smells like a skunk, it's probably a skunk or whatever the phrase is. I-, I was surprised by that, but I'm just saying keep your eye on it. I just I, that
3: can obviously like Lane Kiffin culturally would fit in well. I mean, it's basically just a souped up version of FAU where he had a lot of success, but can, does Miami have the facilities that Lane Kiffin is used to at, you know, in Alabama at a USC? Like, can they pay the assistance the way Lane Kiffin wants them to? Can they, I'll, I'll put it this way. Can they get involved with Georgia and Alabama and Clemson and recruiting, you know, the way that Ole Miss has shown they are willing to get involved uh, in the past. I I, I don't know if Miami – I don't know if Miami administration wants to be good at football, and that's an entirely different conversation, but it's like they want to be an academic institution. That was kind of a big segment in the U. But it's like they have the helmet, Ross, but current recruits were negative two for Miami's
4: last national championship no and and I get that I just I have a hard time I know enough people I know a lot of people have been talking about Lane but you know maybe this is just me and my my SEC bias but we were talking last week about how he's currently on pace unless something goes wrong he's on pace for one of Ole Miss's best seasons, and he seems like he's building it with some consistency. Obviously, we don't know. That has to be proven over a period of time, but he seems like he's moving in the right direction. And without having actually accomplished anything at Ole Miss, unless he feels he's already hit the ceiling of what Ole Miss can be and what he can do there, I don't understand why he would choose What seems to me like a harder job or at least more work in terms of the the rebuilding at miami unless you know this is like something that he has already he thinks he's already done like to me that's the kind of thing that you know everyone always however many years ago it was that everyone said nick saban was going to texas they were like oh he already proved he could rebuild alabama now he's going to go to texas to prove he can do that you know it's these people who like They think they're so good, so they have to prove it over and over again. Like It wasn't just this one school. I was the person who did it. I had to go somewhere else to prove I could do it again. And I don't think he's done enough at Ole Miss to justify him saying, oh, I did it once, I'm going to go do it again.
5: I would agree with that. That's the line of thinking at the end of the day that I fall under, and the fact that he hasn't technically done anything yet. But I guess we'll see by November. But yeah, that's what I keep going back to, but I don't know. Maybe he loves fishing for snook off the coast or whatever as much as uh, people say he does. Yeah,
3: sure. Um, that makes sense, folks. Moving on here. Uh, great hot seat discussion. This is not a great week of college football, so we can just run through these games um, very, very quickly before getting into our pick six. We've got
2: speaking for yourself.
3: All right. Well, I, I, I am. Going, I'm very interested in how much of this Kentucky-Georgia game Andrew is actually going to watch here. Um, but it's it, Georgia's going to sit on them. I think I took the over in that game, but I, I, I don't think um, – I'm, I'm not super confident in it. I'm just 2-0 on Georgia overs this year. Uh, but, yeah, that'll be fun. Um, any thoughts on that game from any of you, Andrew, do you have any actual thoughts on Kentucky-Georgia?
2: Uh, no, I mean, if I actually, if I actually have to discuss it as like a mildly uh, objective party, it's going to be super boring. It's going to be like twenty-eight to seven. Um, I just the I, I don't know if y'all remember in 2018 when uh, Georgia went up to Lexington and I think Kentucky was number nine and it was the game for the east it's gonna look exactly like that in my opinion I think that Georgia will probably start out relatively slow but probably end up at 10 at nothing at the half or 103 something like that and then score two touchdowns to where uh, if you have any interest in exciting football this may be the last game on Saturday that i would watch but um i my problem right now is i'm not even allowed to be nervous because the defense is so fucking good until we play alabama like like there's just not like i there is no scheme there is nothing that you do to beat this team they're too fast they're too big and like they're already hurt as shit and this is what they look like hurt as shit and so when you get more depth in the secondary, when you get any of the skill position back, I, I, I mean, the, Georgia is still currently missing three out of their four to, like top pass catchers, and then their fifth and their sixth have been in and out and haven't played the full season, and this isn't even counting. Eric Gilbert, who I can't really even put into this calculus. And so the team right now, unfortunately, until they play Alabama, that is a game I still do not believe that Georgia will win. Um, I I just can't be reasonably nervous. Now, granted, the moment I step foot in Jacksonville, I will be. But uh, against Kentucky, it really doesn't shock me that the line opened at 26. I I think out of respect for a top 11 team, it's had to move a little bit. But um, I'm saying 28 to seven. Yeah,
3: yeah, uh, I do think it will not be close. The one thing I will say, I'm slightly concerned that, you know, and like you said, the pass catches are out, but I, I do feel concerned that, like, I would like to see, just for your sanity, Andrew, I want to see Georgia's offense really struggle because Kirby's going to be like, ah, yes, I should start JT Daniels when he's healthy again because I'm still not convinced he's going to do that when it happens.
2: Um. no I I, I don't I, honestly this is this is me just completely talking out of my ass I think Kirby knows I I really think it's Munkin that would give um Stetson a little bit more of a leash I mean you see what they allow Stetson to do in that offense and like it, it's good that he's going to be the one that starts you trust him but Munken is the the guy that this may be more player safety than anything, but said JT isn't playing even if you you clear him because he's not mobile enough to run this system. This was last year, granted, and so uh, things are a lot different, and JT may have really been a statue back there. But um, I, I think Kirby very, very reasonably understands what George is able to do. Against Clemson, like, if you – I absolutely god i will never do this but the people that actually did study the tape they said that like we weren't even running deep routes like it was it it was like average depth of target was like six yards seven yards because they knew that you one the defense is going to be good enough to where we aren't going to need to just stretch the field literally 10 points won the game and two uh All we have to do is not make mistakes. And so if Kirby is good at anything, I think it's throttling the game into something more conservative than most coaches are probably comfortable doing. Um, And so that that's where I'm not necessarily crazy concerned with what happens if the offense isn't clicking because I think they've seen what happens when the offense isn't clicking. You just go into full possession mode. I mean, Georgia turned the ball over two times in the first half against Clemson and missed a field goal and still ended up winning that game by a touchdown and driving, like, could have been two touchdowns if they wanted to. They ended up kneeling the ball out in Clemson territory. So, I, I don't know. Clemson's terrible, too, so I, I don't fucking know. yeah Yeah. Um, so,
3: Andrew's definitely not nervous about this game, uh, <laughs> from what I can Yeah, say.
2: the official banjo of recommendation, right. don't watch that game. Don't, let, don't let the paper say.
3: Uh, only other game worth discussing here, in my opinion, is Texas versus Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas is probably really good. I'm not comparing them to the 90s Bulls, but it feels like they're at a point now where it's like they have a ceiling and that ceiling is just OU for the time being. I think Texas is a really good team. I've seen them in person once. Um, at least offensively, um, they're great. And I think Oklahoma State is going to be a really good challenge for them. I don't know why the Big 12 insists on playing all these great games at 11 a.m. Um, but, yeah, I think it will be really interesting. And if Oklahoma State can pull it out, it sets up for a really, really fun bedlam, um later on in the year, which I will be very excited for.
5: Don't I mean, sleep with Ole Miss Tennessee. Game. That could get weird. Ole
4: Miss-Tennessee is going to be real That's going to be a, I, I that be a, a
3: very drunk game. I I see that not being drunk at all. I see that maybe waking up hungover, but then Ole Miss just like hanging 45 on Tennessee. Like I, I think Ole Miss will like mud hole those guys. Just my opinion, but, you know, we'll see.
5: What's the checkerboard deal? I was told that was important. So it's their first sellout since 2016. I know, obviously, what the checkerboard thing is. I didn't know. Th- I thought they just did that every game. That's not an every game thing.
3: No, sometimes they stripe it out. Um, sometimes they just go all orange. Um, but yeah, I guess the checkerboard is a big deal. Uh, just, I, I, I kind of wish Alabama, you know as uh, a crowd would do some sort of color coordination for anything, I'm begging them. But yeah, treasure Board does look cool. They'll probably lose by 28, but it'll look cool for a, a little bit.
5: Have you seen this car dealership deal with the uh, Knoxville Lexus? No, what's going on there? No, I have not. Uh, so, uh, so apparently there was, I, there was always this, I would say, halfway well-kept story about... Kiffin and some sort of wreck back in his younger, a little more spry and wilder days we'll say. And uh, apparently he wrecked a Lexus and that dealership has now made a Twitter for this week and is just repeatedly tweeting him asking Ole Miss Football, his account where the Lexus is gone, is and if they could get it back out of the ditch. Oh my <laughs> yeah. <God. laughs> That's amazing. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite subparts of the week. I thought it was fake at first. I was like, what the hell is this shit? And then I had an A to Z sports guy on the podcast earlier today, and he was like, no, you haven't heard this story. And I was like, this is incredible.
3: Yeah, I am. Okay, wow. Good for, the, good for that dealership. <laughs> you, know, just, you never let trolls die. You know, you, you hold on to those as long as you can.
2: So now, now here's a question. Here's a question. We have Andy. We have Knoxville resident Andy Pope in the chat. Uh, Andy, would you like to request to speak to add on to this story? Um, if not, no worries. But uh, I would love to hear a Knoxville. And <laughs> Andy Pope on the, as a speaker here.
5: Yeah, I'd just like to say real quick that, uh, yeah, since when, right before Kiffin left, this is a story that was told to me by a buddy, that his car went into a ditch of a mutual friend of ours' yard, and the Knoxville Police Department showed up, and they kind of swept it under the rug. They did not file a claim or anything like that, but it was clearly known that he was not um, of the sober type during this uh, encounter, but uh, that that is... Of knowledge to me through a mutual friend of mutual friend's yard that the car went into. So that, that's all so, i
4: so, so you have seen the ditch?
5: I've seen the ditch. Oh, I've driven by it many a times and an, even in the past week.
4: That's amazing.
5: Is the car still there? Why are they asking yeah. where it is? <laughs> I have no idea where the car is, but. It does not appear to be in the ditch though? It is not, it's still not in the ditch. I will make sure, but I'll go leave some flowers by there on my way this week. Who among us has not?
3: put Alexis
5: I mean, in a ditch yeah, it's a ride of passage at this point honestly an sec <laughs> <laughs> oh what a sport Says, folks right, this um, is
2: this is the real banjo this is the real banjo edge we can't give you analysis or anything but we got you uh
3: okay you gotta stop with this we andrew
2: right, you-, <laughs> you oh brother you oh you are down with this sinking ship an accomplice to all
3: I'm going to take away your speaking privileges, Andrew. Um, moving on to our pick six. Um, really interested to see what Andrew and Rip um, have here because uh, <laughs> we do not have those picks in yet. Uh, but I'll run through all mine really quick. Uh, number one, UCF plus 21 at Cincinnati. I think UCF's pretty good. They've been banged up like hell, but um, 21 points is a lot of points for a team that's talented. I got Texas minus five at home against Oklahoma State. Texas is undefeated at home this year. Um, and I do think that Sark has proven himself as a play caller even in the Big 12. So good for him. Georgia, Kentucky over 44.5. Not super confident, but I'm undefeated on Georgia overs this year. And I do think that Munkin is going to really open it up against that defense, especially if Kentucky keeps turning the ball over. Um, Ole Miss minus three at Tennessee. Three seems very, very low for a team that has Matt Corral um, on them. Uh, so just I think Ole Miss will blow that cover to hell. Oregon minus 13 and a half at home against Cal. Cal just can't score and I think once Oregon gets up 21, that's kind of curtains. And Liberty minus 33 and a half at ULM. I despise Liberty University, but I hate the Bowden family even more. Um, so I don't see, I don't see how ULM has a pulse this year. I don't know if they will be open as a university by the end of this academic year. I hope they are for many reasons, but uh, yeah, Liberty's going to kind of roll there.
4: Those are some interesting picks you got there KP. I, uh, yeah. yeah, I have some problems with the Bowden family, but I mean, you, you hate them more than Liberty. Like buddy, like um, Falwell
2: university
3: Terry, ter- Terry Bowden, uh, or whoever the one was at Auburn, Still has to answer for his crimes. I think it was Terry. Um, so
2: yeah.
3: Listen, All who right. among us is not a uh, um, situation I... like Jerry Falwell? So <laughs> sorry, going re- Andrew. Re-
2: regarding the terror group ISIL, uh, <laughs> uh, I retract my previous
3: statement. <laughs> <things. laughs>
5: uh-huh. <laughs> It's all, It's fine if you hate liberty because the football coach will pray for you, and that'll make it all. Um, better. I can. Uh, I his name
4: more often, so he'll DM me.
2: I was about to say we definitely can get him <laughs> on the pod at at Hugh Freeze. I bet you. I bet you won't come on Banjo Forty Two. Um, okay, I'll run through mine real quick because I got to hop off. Uh, Band, Bama minus seventeen. Uh, I think. I think Nick Saban is going to um, step up the torture chamber this week. Ole Miss, uh, KP is more generous than uh, I am. I think he said he had a minus three. I'm taking it minus 2.5 because I'm a coward. Um, As KP said, I don't think Tennessee has the firepower to keep up on that corral offense. TCU plus 14. Um, TCU has played extremely well the past couple of weeks, um, and I I do not think that – do not think that Oklahoma is going to end up keeping up that wave. Um, I don't know what's going on with their quarterback situation. We cannot hear it from the media, um, and so even if uh, even if Rattler doesn't end up starting, um, I, I like TCU there. Uh, Baylor minus six and a half. Uh, BYU coming to town to probably. Oh God, that has got to be the lamest late night scene in college football, uh, that we've seen in quite some time. So, uh, without question. Yeah. Going to Baylor covering easy, then going to bed, drinking a glass of warm milk. I have Arizona state, uh, it's a pick them against Utah. Um, and I'm going to take Arizona state, uh, five and one on the season. This is, uh, the fighting Herms just very, very methodically and under the radar, marching through the PAC 12 South right now. Um, again, a, a lone loss to BYU on the road in week three. And so, um, arizona has beat up on stanford pretty bad last week and then whipped the crap out of ucla the week before and so um i think they cover relatively uh easily considering it is just to pick them and then uh i'm going to also ditto okay kp's pick with oregon minus 13 and a half no chance that uh no chance that cal offense can get going and so um i uh i am guaranteed six and zero less we got fucking tied two games Last week, almost tied three absolute bullshit. So um, I got to hop off. I love you all. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Drew. All
4: right, Rip, I'm going to go ahead while you get your picks together and
5: uh... I'm typing the last one and now go (laughs) ahead.
4: So I got to say, I I disagree with a couple of picks that have already been put in here. Uh, KP taking the Kentucky UGA over, I have no idea why we we learned our lesson week one with uh, Georgia overs. I don't know how you have managed to make it work, but at 44 and a half, that's not going over. I just don't see it. Um, I think Kentucky UGA, even if it's 34, 10, which I think was the final score last week against Auburn. I think that's basically the cap and that's going to stay under. So 44 and a half. I got that Uh, Michigan state minus 40 minus four and a half against Indiana. Uh, Michigan State's looked actually pretty good all year this year. And uh, they helped me cover against Rutgers last week. Indiana, I hate to say it, is not good this week or this year. So I don't see what's happening there. Um, Boston College against NC State. uh, Boston College is plus three. I don't know what's going on. I mean, NC State beat Clemson, but Boston College has looked pretty good all year. So I think Boston College will be able to cover three. I don't know why NC State's getting three points there. Uh, Stanford has been sort of good and bad back and forth weeks and they didn't look so good last week, but they're favored by one point against Wazoo, who I don't think is very good this year, but I think Tanner McKee's pretty good and I think they're doing very good weeks. So I'm going to take Stanford, Stanford minus one against Wazoo, uh, UCLA, Washington, Washington's offense still fucking sucks. And I know UCLA isn't what we thought they were <laughs> after they beat LSU, but to, for Washington to be favored by a point and a half against UCLA, I do not understand uh, makes no sense to me. And then finally we got some some friends in the chat here who will be excited about my 6th pick. I am taking Heisman front runner, potential number 1 overall pick, Kenny Pickett in the Fightin' Pit Panthers, minus 5 against Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech is about to fall apart. I think they're going into Blacksburg and somehow Pat Narduzzi has figured out strong offense. I don't know how it happened. It makes no sense to me. I think this is going to lead Pitt to keeping him, which I don't think they should do. But I think Pitt's going to win this game, and I think they're going to cover the five-point spread. So uh, the fight in Kenny Pickett's uh, on his way to his Heisman campaign, I think that's going to happen. Five points.
5: All right. Let's see. I'm going to roll through these real quick. I was trying to look up some uh, analytics on a couple of these. But uh, I'm just going to start this one off with – Arkansas minus, what is that, four and a half? Uh, Bo Nix on the road. After I saw Arkansas last week, I don't think that I, I'm still not sure what to make of like how bad the Ole Miss defense is, if that makes sense. But I was more impressed with Arkansas. They were, they were good. And if KJ Jefferson is fully healthy, which I don't think he was against Georgia, obviously would not have changed the outcome, but I think they would have like scored once or twice, maybe once. I know that's saying a lot, but, uh, he looked a lot healthier. And I was very impressed with, uh, his him last week i think arkansas is pretty good so i'll start off with that one then i'll go bc plus three against who are they oh nancy state i was about to say i had that wrong uh i think boston college is pretty good i think they'd be kind of a sneaky uh acc pick had not lost the quarterback been on that train all year made me some money so i'll go bc plus three nebraska minus four against minnesota i'll be completely honest i don't know anything about minnesota But as much as people love to dump on Nebraska, they're actually, I think, like kind of better. They've just had some pretty brutal results and some pretty shitty scheduling. Texas minus five and a rebound game. I just said Ole Miss MSU over 57.5. I'm aware that game's on Thanksgiving. I meant Alabama uh, over 57.5 there in the chat. Alabama MSU over 57.5. I couldn't think of a good last one. So I went ULM plus 32.5 because I was in a rile-up Hugh Freeze move. Little known fact, um, Hugh Freeze's official record is 65 and 39, but he is actually 65 and 0, and his assistants are 0 and 39. So I don't feel good about that <laughs> one on the road. And I uh, will take the fighting Rich Rodriguez to uh, round out my uh, pick six. That is some real high level analytics there, Rip. That is.
4: I had to I crunch, crunch the numbers, but the,
5: the, computer, the computers never <laughs> to let me down. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate
3: man. that insight. Yeah. That, I hope he amazing. listens. Uh, he is. Do I mean, freeze! Come on, we'll banjo just,
4: challenge.
3: I mean, we'll just tweet his name when we tweet this link out to the masses tomorrow, uh, <laughs> folks. Um, by the time you listen to this, it'll be sometime Thursday. So, hope you're having a great start to your weekend. Uh, thanks again for listening to Banjo. Uh, this is our 41st episode. Again, kind of wild we've made it this far in this many consecutive weeks um thanks for listening as always we're all live on spotify green room normally every tuesday at 8 p.m central uh, wednesday this week but we should be back to our original schedule very soon um as always presented by sports drink um, and our sponsors that andrew will splice in here at some point i'm sure um thanks again for listening any parting shots from the two of you gentlemen
4: Uh, just say, I hope everyone enjoyed their uh, long weekend celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day last weekend, and let's have another good one.
3: Yes, yes, fully agree. Um, thanks, everyone. Um, finish your breakfast and happy Scott Frost Day. We'll talk to you soon.
1: One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that.